Good morning. Okay, okay, we're awake this morning. If you haven't met me yet, my name's Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at Cedar Valley. And this morning, I'm excited to share a message called Big Steps that comes out of Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. So we're going to have a lot of reading in front of us. That's a joke. I don't like to read for more than about 30 seconds at a time in front of people. But this morning, I want you guys to think about if you've ever met somebody that once you start something with them, once you take the first step of starting a process with them, it just kind of turns into a thing. It keeps going. It kind of runs out of control potentially. It takes you a lot further than you expect. Like, I have a friend by the name of Jer. And this was back when I was in college. Um, and I went over to Jer's house at like 9 o'clock one night thinking, hey, we're just going to like hang out, maybe watch a movie, something. Like, I'm in college. It was like a Saturday night, so I could be up a little bit late, but I need to be at church the next morning. Uh, so I'm, I go over to Jer's house, and next thing you know, I don't we're like, hey, let's go to Starbucks. And here in Mission, going to Starbucks is pretty simple. You drive five, ten minutes, and you've got your choice of two or three Starbucks if you're willing to go ten minutes out of town. Where I was living was in this little tiny town of Three Hills, Alberta, which is a town of like 3,000 people. There was no Starbucks in Three Hills. When we said, hey, let's go to Starbucks, we're actually going, hey, let's drive an hour and a half, or at the speed that Jer drove, like 45 minutes, the roads are straight there and the cars are fast. So we drive to Starbucks at like 9 o'clock at night, and we end up in Red Deer, and we're having Starbucks, and we're like, this is nice, and then Starbucks, you start seeing the baristas give you that eye of like, we're not going to say you have to leave, but we want you to leave so we can close, right? You know that moment? I don't know if you're the type that, like, as soon as you feel that, you're like, I have to get out of here, or whether you're, like, a little passive-aggressive, and you kind of settle in a little bit more, and you're like, hey, you don't close until 10, so I'm not leaving until 10 on the dot. But anyways, the Starbucks is getting ready to close. We're starting to feel bad that we're keeping them open late. But we don't really feel like going home yet. And I don't know what happened, but somehow Jared convinced us that we need to drive to Calgary for Denny's, because Denny's is open 24 hours. And Red Deer to Calgary, again, should be, I think, like an hour and a half, two-hour drive. And we went, got there way too fast. But next thing you know, it's like one in the morning. We're at Denny's in Calgary. It's great. We're having breakfast in the middle of the night. This is a good time now. And I don't know what's going on, because I'm supposed to be at church in the morning. And, but I'm at... Denny's at 1 o'clock at night. And finally, we get done eating, hanging out at Denny's. We've drunk enough of their free, like the refills of the coffee. You know that point when you're like, I should quit taking the refills on the coffee. We've gotten past that point. And so then, like reasonable people, we drove home. No, no. We get in the car, and Jared just starts driving around Calgary. We're driving around Calgary, and I don't know what's up with the city of Calgary. But when you're driving around the city of Calgary at like three in the morning, for some reason there's these massive b bunnies, like rabbits, but like they look like 30 pound rabbits. Like they look bigger than like 
a good sized dog, rabbits. And they're hopping around. And we're like, this is weird, kind of creepy. What are we doing driving around Calgary in circles at three in the morning? And so instead of driving home, we decided to drive to Banff. And again, if you know anything about Banff, Banff is like an hour and a half from Calgary, and we get there way too fast. And we get to Banff, and Starbucks is just opening in Banff, and you're learning something about me. I find where the Starbucks are. So we get to Banff, and we start drinking. So we wait for the Starbucks to open, because I think we had to like wait like half an hour for the Starbucks to open, but we're like, we can wait. Like, we can wait. We sped here, but we can wait for the Starbucks. And so we get the Starbucks. And we stand in the middle of the road in downtown Banff because nobody in their right mind is in, at Banff at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning. So we could literally just stand in the middle of the road and watch the sunrise over the Rocky Mountains. And it was beautiful. It was an amazing experience. And then we drove from Banff back to Red Deer where church was. And somehow I sort of stayed awake through church. I don't know how. It was a struggle. Um, but we made it. And... I thought I was going to, I took the first step of going to Jared's house to hang out for like an hour or two and then go to bed at a reasonable time. And then the first step led to the next step, which led to the next step, which led to Banff, Sunrise and Banff. And I don't know how that happened. You know? But you ever have people in your life where you know that if you take the first step, it's going to lead to the next step that leads to the next step and it's just going to keep going? Like if I talk to my parents about something, both of my parents are the personality where they like to fix things. And so if I bring up a concern with them, like at first they sympathize. They take the first step of being like, oh, I'm sorry, that's tough. And then they take the next step of flipping it on me and being like, so Michael, what you're complaining about, maybe you're creating that problem. And then they take the next step of going, what could you do to fix that problem? And they take the next step of being like, when are you going to fix that problem? You know? When you're growing up in school, well, I don't, know, I don't know if they do this in Canada. In the States, there's a Dare Not to Do Drugs program. And they basically came into school and they told you, hey, if you as much as like look at a cigarette, you're going to become addicted to every drug on earth. Because they're like, if you take the first step, it leads to the next step, which leads to the next step. And there's so many things in our life where you're like a little hesitant to take the first step because you're scared of what's going to happen to you. And if you read through the Bible, all throughout the Bible, God comes to people and he says, hey, follow me. Take the first step. Take the first step of faith. And he comes to different people in different ways because he goes, hey, what does this person need to know my voice, to hear my call? For some people, it's literally an audible voice of saying, hey, I'm God, follow me. For the Apostle Paul, it was being struck blind and hearing an audible voice from God. For other people, it's that we pray and we go, if there's a God out there, please just do something crazy in my life to make it show that it's you, that there's a God out there, and I'm not out here by myself. And then something crazy happened, you're like, okay, I guess there's a God. God shows up in so many different ways. Sometimes it's an amazing sermon where you're like, that just— clicked. I know that God is real and he wants me to follow him. But sometimes it's scary to take that first step because you know that if you take that first step of faith, it's going to lead to something next. That something else is going to happen, that it's going to lead to the next step and the next step. And you go, where am I going to end up? Am I going to end up watching sunrise over the Rocky Mountains at six in the morning? Probably not. 
but where am I going to end up? That's kind of intimidating. In Hebrews 11, it's a chapter in the Bible. It's kind of called the Hall of Faith because it walks through in rapid fire the stories of so many people that chose to take that first step of faith in following God and where that led them to and what came out of taking that first step. But I want to focus on one person's story. I want to focus on the story of Abraham because Abraham was somebody that he was living his life. He was probably pretty content living his life. He sounded like he was a successful kind of businessman, trader type person. He had a large family. He had all the signs of success in his time. But God showed up to him and God said, hey, I want you to follow me. I want you to take the big step of leaving your country, leaving your home, leaving your friends and your family. I want you to step into the future that I have for you. Romans, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He took a big step. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. And faith is a scary word because faith means he didn't know what was coming next. He just knew that he was going to keep taking the next step into that future. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise, his son and grandson. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. And Abraham took a big step. He knew that if he took the big step of leaving his home, leaving his country, stepping out of his comfort zone, stepping into what this God who just showed up and said, hey, you don't know much about me, but follow me. He said, I'm going to do it. I'll learn about you as I go. I'm going to learn about what you have for me as I go. I'm going to keep stepping forward into this. Because he had a hope of what? He was looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. And when we take that big step into following God, he says, I can tell you where it's going to end up. I am not going to tell you necessarily the steps in the middle, but I'm going to tell you where we're going. Because all throughout the Bible, God describes the future that he has for his creation. He created the universe. He created humans at the center of the universe as his prized creation that he wants to be friends with and have a relationship with. And he said, I have a plan for you, but you have to choose it. I have a plan for you, but I'm not going to force you into it. And at the beginning of creation, humanity started with a relationship with God where they literally went for like morning walks together with the God of the universe because God wanted to be that close to them and live life with them. But then humanity, Adam and Eve said, hey, we want to try to create our own future. We want to step into, we want to try to figure things out for ourselves. We want to do things our own way. We don't trust you. And so they stepped away. And humanity since then has continued to bring, make that same choice. And through stepping away from God's purpose for us, his design when he created us, we keep bringing brokenness and sin and death and sickness into the world. And we're stuck in this. But God says, the future that I have for you is that I make all things right. I undo what has gone wrong. I undo the consequence of you breaking relationship with me 
the sin that you've brought into the world. I want to undo that. And I want to create a future where we live together in a city where humanity lives as humanity is meant to live. We all know how we're meant to live, and yet we struggle to do it. And God says, I want to bring you back to that. I want to actually help you live as you know you're meant to live. And so Abraham didn't leave his friends and his family. He didn't just walk off and say, hey, I'm going to leave my successful life to wander into a new land, to follow this God that I've just heard his voice and I don't even know much about. He didn't do that because God had told him, hey, here's what it's going to look like. Here's what's going to happen in this new land, particularly. Like, he had a few details, but not much. He did that because of the hope, because of his confidence in this eternal future. And for us as a church, it's kind of felt like we're kind of taking some of those big steps lately that God's been calling us into a future. He's saying, leave your comfort zone. Leave where we've been for a while. Leave where we've been successful in the past and step into something new, which is really scary. I don't know about you, but when I'm comfortable, when I'm reasonably successful, I don't want change. Even if the change is a good change, I'm just like, hey, this is nice. I've got my life. Everything's put together. As a church community, God put a call on us, I believe. As I've listened to so many of you share with me your experiences in this church and what God's doing right now, I believe that God's calling us out of our comfort zone. We've been really good and comfortable and successful at being a church in this city. But God's actually calling us to be a church for our city. To flip things on its head a little bit. Of saying, hey, you've been in this city. You have a building here. You live here. You're in this city. But I want you not to just live in this city. I want you to live for this city. I want you to go out and share who I am and share the blessings that I give you. Bless those around you in a new way. That's been a challenging call. But we started to take some of those first big steps. We've taken the step in the last few years of writing a new mission, vision, values statement just to clarify, hey, this is what God is calling us to. This is what we're committing to to follow Jesus, to love people and invite others to do the same. And we have a vision of, and that pushed us so that our vision is literally to not have this building and this facility just be for us, but that we would do everything we can to share our church facility with our community. There'll be a center for our community that God's blessed us so much with this resource that we're gonna share it with others. And we're taking a big step into that as hundreds of people are on this church campus every week from our community. We've taken some big, crazy steps that we moved Grant from being the worship and youth pastor into being the executive pastor and trusted a young guy to be the executive pastor. And then if you aren't crazy enough, you went and you hired a lead pastor who's younger than your executive pastor. And we took a big step, not because anybody could look at me and be like, hey, Michael and Grant, they've got it. They have a proven track record. But because you looked at God is calling us into this future and we're going to take this big step trusting that he's going to lead us forward. We've been taking big steps. I don't know about you, it gets a little scary taking the big steps. Because when you take a few big steps, it's kind of like getting up in the morning And you can kind of be getting up in the morning, taking a few steps. I don't know about you, the hardest step for me every day is the first step out of bed. 
You're like, do I really need to get out of bed yet? But then if you're not careful, you start taking more steps. And if you keep following God, those steps lead you to the door. And you lace up your shoes and you start running the race of faith. You start running the race of taking step after step after step of following God in your life here on earth. And that's what we're starting to do as a church community. We've been in a season of kind of step into a new thing where it feels like getting out of bed in the morning. And some of those steps are the hardest steps. And you take the first few steps and you're like, okay, God, have we taken enough steps as a church yet? Can we, have we gotten to where we need to go so we can, things can settle back down? But that's not what God's doing with us. He's saying, I didn't get you out of bed in the morning so you can go and sit down on the couch and watch some TV. This isn't a lazy Saturday. I got you stepping out of bed in the morning, getting ready for the day because I have an amazing race for you to run. I have amazing things I want to do in this church community and through this church community to reach our city. And these are the first steps of the day. And we're going to keep taking next steps. They're going to turn into a run. They're going to turn into running into our city and being for our city. I know that in this next season, some of the next steps are going to look like investing in the people that we have here. We have so many people that volunteer. We have roughly 100 people here on a Sunday morning. But every single month, we have at least 50 people serving throughout the church on serve teams. It's crazy how many people volunteer and serve in this church. But we don't want serving to just be a place where we say, hey, show up and just do, get the task done. We want serving to be a place where you go, we want to bring out the best in you. We want to bring out what God put in you. We want to help you develop the gifts and abilities God's given you and empower you to give God and us and our community your best. So it's going to be a season of investing in those that serve. We felt a call from God to not just do youth and kids program to kind of babysit our youth and kids, but actually do a program that invites them into following Jesus, experiencing Jesus and having a faith of their own. It's not just doing living out of faith that we've given them, but experiencing Jesus themselves and committing to that and running with that to invest in the future of our church and the future of our community. We're doubling down on community because if you come on every Sunday morning, it's nice. People will shake your hand and say hi to you. But so much of what God does through our church, so much of what God calls us to do as a church community is be close enough to each other that when we're going through a hard time there's people that are close enough to us to encourage us. There's also people close enough to us to challenge us and say, hey, maybe God wants you to grow in this area. And so we're doubling down on that. We're leaning into that and saying, hey, we want ev- there to be an opportunity for everyone in our church community to be part of a community group. So this season, we are supporting four groups that are already meeting, and we're launching five more community groups. So there's space for everyone to be part of deep community in this church and be challenged and be supported. And not just be like, hey, these people kind of know my face, but be like, these people know my heart and walk beside me. And the biggest thing is I believe that God's really said, I have blessed this church with so many resources. Whether it's our facility, whether it's our finances, whether it's the gifts and abilities that we each have, God's gifted us with so many resources 
that he doesn't want us to use those resources just for ourselves. He wants us to reach our city and bless our city. He wants us to practically serve our city and love our city. And the mo one of the most loving things we can do to the people around us is say, hey, God has a future for you that he wants you to be a part of. Invite them into that. And already as a church, we've been taking steps to connect with our city. Whether it's what we host at Canada Day, whether it's what we do at doing a parenting conference in the spring, whether it's hosting events at Christmas, we do events to reach our city and be with our city, be with the people in our city who don't already know and follow Jesus. But I believe that God's calling us to double down on that, to make sure, get way better and make it so every time that we're connecting with people, we, can, we know how to invite them one step closer to following Jesus. Say, hey, you came out to Canada Day and you had a lot of fun with archery tag and hanging out as a family at this event. Hey, if you want to do more stuff like this, if you want to go a little deeper, come out to our summer games nights here at the church. Come out to our youth program in the fall. Come out to our kids camp. You know? So we're going to double down on that. Those are some of the next steps I see for our church in this coming season as we keep stepping to what God's calling us to. But what's interesting is Hebrews chapter 11 is a list of different people that God said, hey, come and follow me. Take a step of faith. And they took the step of faith and they took the next step and they took the next step. And you can read it and you can be like, that's so great. I am so encouraged that these people did so great. And then you start taking those next steps. You start following Jesus and you start feeling like you're running a race. Have you ever... Have you ever, like, it's one thing to, like, have a friend like Jer where you find yourself going to Starbucks and Denny's and Starbucks again. Have you ever had one of those friends where when you hang out with them, next thing you know, you're exercising? I have a few of them. They're really weird. Like, they'll be like, hey, do you want to go for a walk? And you start trying to go on a walk with them, and you realize that you're getting left behind, and it's actually a run. And sometimes it can feel like that following Jesus, where you're like, hey, you told me to take a next step and a next step, and this is nice. And now we're running. What are we doing here? How am I going to keep doing this? So chapter 11 talks about these inspiring people, but chapter 12 talks about how to be that person. Hebrews chapter 12, verse, starting at verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, especially the things in our life where we say, God, I want to do it my way, not your way. And surprisingly, it doesn't go that well. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let us run with endurance the race that God might have even kind of tricked us into running where we just thought we were taking two or three steps and next thing you know, you're running. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Jesus ran this race. It was not an easy race. He lived a human life of following the Father's call, following God's direction. There were times he said, God, I don't want to take the next step. If there's any other direction I can step in other than this, please let me out. Please let me go somewhere else. Take a step in a different direction. But if you call me there, I'm going to go there. 
He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Then you won't become weary and give up. I don't know about you, but it can be hard not to grow weary and give up. The, when I listed off some of the last steps we've taken as a church, some of you guys are probably like, I remember that step. That step was a hard step. I didn't want to take it, you know? It stretches us. It's difficult. But why don't we give up? Because we know the future. Because Abraham looked forward to the future of God making all things right and the joy of that. Jesus endured the cross because he was looking forward to the future. He wasn't like, hey, being up here on a cross is fun. No, it's one of the most miserable, torturous experiences a human can, well, they can't live through. They die through. It was horrible. But he looked forward to it with joy because he knew that he was a part of what God was doing to make all things right and bring all of humanity that wanted to be a part of God's future into God's future He looks forward to that with joy. And so as we're finding ourselves running this race, this race of faith, not just individually, but as a church community, as we're running this race of faith, it can be easy to go, this seems a little hard right now, God. I'm a little tired right now, God. Can we skip this step? Can we slow down the steps? Can we take a breather? And that's normal. I think that's pretty standard for us. But if we want to run the race with endurance, we have to look for where we're going. We have to go, God wants to work through each one of us to help bring his future, to make things right, not just in our lives, but in the lives of our family, in the lives of our friends, in the lives of our coworkers, in the lives of everyone in the city that wants to step into that. But they're not going to have an opportunity to step into that unless we run the race and invite them into that. So how do we run with endurance? How do we run with endurance? There's three steps given here. Let's read this together. In verse 1, it says, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the, the sin that so easily trips us up. What's slowing you down right now? What is distracting you from taking the steps that God's called you to? And sometimes we're like, oh, it's that, it's that bad thing I do in my life. It's that bad habit I have. And for sure, that's slowing you down. But what's funny is it's not always bad things that stop us from doing the best things. It's often good things that aren't the best thing. As a church community, we had to stop doing so many things to start running this next leg of the race because there were so many good things we were doing that we were distracted from God's best thing for us. So we had to say, hey, we're going to lay off the weight of trying to do every good thing and instead focus on the best things that God has called us to. In your own life, what are the best things God's calling you to? And how can you let go of the good things that distract you from the best things? And definitely, if there's things where you're like, this is just bad for me, I need to deal with it, deal with it. But don't deal with it by yourself because we're a church community Find the people that are closest to you and say, hey, I need help walking through this. I need your support as I deal with what's going on in my life. That's what we want to be here for. That's how God works. Often, so, so often God brings healing in our lives. He brings freedom in our lives, not 
by saying, hey, you go deal with it by yourself, but by saying, hey, I brought people around you to support you and speak my life into you and bring my healing into your life. And so we strip off whatever's slowing us down. And let us run with endurance the race God set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We run this race by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Because he already initiated something in this church. What's happened in this church the last few years didn't happen because a few humans were like, hey, let's change everything. It happened because Jesus spoke to all of us. All of us, whether we wanted to take the next step or not, we're like, huh, something's going on in my heart. Something's going on in my spirit that I feel led by God to take a step forward, to do things different. He initiated this season in our church. But he's the champion who not just initiates, but also perfects. He doesn't just start this. He runs with us as he perfects what he started. And it's interesting because if you ever, if you ever talk to a running coach, endurance athlete coach, one of the things that they end up having to say a lot more than they ever want to say is keep your eyes up. Because when you start running, you're like, hey, I'm running over there. Great. But then you start running for a long time. You start getting tired. And when you start getting tired, you start to try to do this. And you start just kind of watching your feet go by and the road go by. And your eyes go down. Because you just kind of put, you're just like, I just got to work hard and do this by myself. Just put my head down and go for it. And what happens if you keep your head down and you don't let, keep your eyes up is you'll see runners, they're running and they don't see the root coming until it's right there and they trip it and they crash on the root. Or even worse, they're running on the road and you will see runners. Like I wasn't a runner, I was a cyclist. I raced bikes. But you'll see cyclists, they have their head down and they crash dead on into a parked car because their eyes were down. And it's so tempting when God calls us to something. When you feel called by God, you go, okay, God, you want me to go there? I'm just going to push on. I'm going to do this all by myself. I'm just going to make this happen. And we put our eyes down. We put our head down. We go for it. He's saying, no, keep your eyes up. You, you're going to get off track. You're going to crash into a parked car or trip on a route if you just try to put your head down and do this on your own. Keep your eyes up. Keep your eyes on me as you do this. Because I'm the one who initiated this. I'm the one who's going to perfect this. Keep your eyes up. As a church moving forward, we have an idea of where we're going right now. But if we don't keep our eyes on Jesus and keep listening to him and saying, God, keep guiding us. Keep showing us where the next step. We're not going where we want to go. We're going where you tell us to go. If we don't keep doing that, if we let our eyes down, we just go, hey, we're just going to push forward whatever it takes and ignore the one who's actually the initiator and perfecter of our faith, we're going to find ourselves crashing off on the side of the road. That's just how it works. So to run this race with endurance, we have to strip off the weights that are holding us back. Whether it's a bad thing going on in our life that we need to find some freedom for, um, or whether it's even a good thing that's distracting us from what God's actually called us to and says the best thing. And then we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, the one who initiates and perfects our faith. I'm excited to do that with you guys as a church.
I'm excited to run into the future. I'm excited for this next season as a church. As God says, hey, take the next steps. It's going to be a little challenging. It's going to be a little different, but it's going to be so good. It's going to be so worth it. I'm going to keep working in this church and working in you. I'm excited to see God do that. So to get started this morning, I want to, we're a church that believes in doing things a little bit different, shaking up our Sunday service all the time. Um, so I'm sorry to break it to you. It's going to get a little different. I'd love to work on getting our eyes focused on Jesus right now. Making sure that our eyes are up. Our eyes are on our coach. Our eyes are on our guide. So I'd love for us to pray together this morning. And to do that, we're going to, I'd love for you to partner up with two or three people. Just break into groups of two or three people around you. And we're going to have some prayer points up on the uh, screen, I think. Yes. I gave them to him at the very last second. And so I'd love for us to pray for our city and what God is going to do through us here in our city. That we'd have a heart to love the people of our city like Jesus does. That we'd have the courage and guidance of God to start running this new stage of the race. Pray that we would each find our place and our unique gifting to move this mission forward. And just pray for the well-being of our city. And for some of us here, we've prayed so many times before, and it's a very comfortable thing. For some of us, we might have gotten dragged to the service. We might not even want to be here, and we're like, I definitely don't pray, and that's okay. Feel free to just sit in on a group and listen to them pray. But I'd love for us to take a few minutes this morning. We'll take about five minutes. There'll be some music playing in the background. We're just going to take a couple minutes, break into groups of two or three, and let's pray for what God wants to do in us and through us as we are a church, not just in this city, but for our city. All right, let's do this. All right. Amen for everybody. If you're upset that you didn't have enough time to pray, um, feel free to pray any other time of the week. Doesn't, this place isn't special in that regard. I think God listens just as much when we're driving in our car or hanging out at the dinner table, wherever we're at. But I'm excited. I'm really excited that God's called us. He's given us the clarity of our mission as a church to love people, follow Jesus, love people, invite others to do the same. And I really want to invite you, whether you've been here your whole life or whether this is your first Sunday, I want to invite you to step into this next season with us as a church community, to open up to what God might be calling you to that you've not done before. If you read through Hebrews chapter 11, go back and read through it. God kept calling people that thought that they knew what their life was about. And he said, hey, I'm going to do something totally different with your life. I don't think Noah had ever built a boat before. And God's like, you're building a boat. Abraham had been pretty settled. And he's like, hey, you're going to travel in tents. You don't know. But I invite you to step into this season open to what God's going to do through you. The gifts and abilities that he's given to you that he might not have shown you that you had yet. That he's like, hey, you're going to discover something new about yourself in this season. The people in your life that he's going to say, hey, you've always tried to reach them, but they've always been closed off. And I'm going to open up opportunities for you to speak into their life and invite them into following Jesus themselves. I want to do this journey together. I want to run this race together. So I'd love for you to get involved. Uh, we're going to have an amazing opportunity for you to get connected. After the service, we're going to have a carnival. Grant's going to have some details about that in a minute. But it's a good time to just talk to people, ask questions, find out what's going on. 
Also, if you're like a younger person like me that would rather just deal with a website, if you go to our website, there's literally a button called Get Involved. You click on that and there's a bunch of options for ways to get connected. We love to help you not just attend our church, but be part of our church. So I'm going to close this up in prayer before Grant gives us some details on what's happening next. Jesus, thank you so much that you are so alive and real and present. That while you lived here on earth as a human for 33 years, 2,000 years ago, that your you gave us your spirit to live with us and work through us. That what you call us to do, you don't call us to do on our own, but you call us to do in the power of your spirit. As we keep our eyes fixed on you, you empower us to run a race that we feel like we couldn't even take the first couple steps. That through faith in you, we can not only be a part of the future that you've promised, but we can be a part of bringing that future to others, to bringing that future to our city. I pray that you do something special here through Cedar Valley. I pray that in this season, you just give us a courage and a boldness to step out of our comfort zone for the sake of loving our city, for the sake of serving the greatest needs of our city and inviting every single person in our city to know and follow you and be a part of the life that you have for them. In your name, amen.